Thank you so much. We appreciate our choir, appreciate our uh, Parkway Baptist Music Ministry, appreciate what they have uh, added to our worship service today. They have set the pace for us. It is a day of celebration, not so much unlike the day of celebration when Jesus came riding in on that first Palm Sunday there into Jerusalem, declaring himself the one who was the King of Kings and the Prince of Peace. And the people began to shout out, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And uh, you might remember that they asked, the religious officials asked Jesus to stop the crowd from shouting, stop the crowd from singing. And he said, if the they did not shout, the very rocks would. Thank you for not having rocks shout out today. Thank you so much to our choir and uh, appreciate you. They, hey, and they're not done yet. So uh, we've been in this uh, series of messages in our preparation now for this week, preparation for Holy Week, for Resurrection Sunday, been looking at the Seven words of Jesus from the cross. We're at the sixth word today. It's in John chapter 19 and verse 30. I'm going to take a look at that and spend just a few moments before uh, we finish up here, here back from our choir. But uh, let me ask you, uh, uh, do, you ever, uh, do you ever make lists? Are you list makers? I mean, uh, do, you, do you do a things to do list? I mean, I do a things to do list often, sometimes things this week. People I need to see, sometimes it's a to-do list for the day. Sometimes it's a honey-do list. And uh, sometimes, now you don't have to tell everybody, but sometimes I'll write things down on the list that I've already done just so that I can check it off. And Can I get a witness? Anybody ever? Okay, good. So I'm not the only one that does that. But uh, I got to tell you though, I've never or rarely have I got to the end of the list and been done. Rarely do I come to that place to where the list is completed and I say, hey, it's finished. But we find today from the sixth word of Jesus from the cross, he has come and he has completed every task he was to complete while he was God incarnate, Jesus in the flesh when he comes to the cross. And we have these, this in uh, John chapter 19 and verse 30. This word, we call it a word, not all of them were just one word, some of them were phrases. But this particularly though, we say it in three words in English, it is one word in the Greek. And when Jesus said it, because we know this from the other Gospels, we know that he just didn't whisper it or say it. We know that he shouted it in triumph that it is finished. He's done all he came to do in the flesh. It's a powerful word that Jesus spoke and he spoke it with authority. It means it stands finished and it always will be completed. He's done everything necessary, all that he planned to do and everything needed for salvation. Since it is just one word... And it's one verse this morning, and while you have given me a few minutes here before we keep moving on with the, uh, with the musical service and that part of it, we're going to take, though, to take a close look at this one phrase, this one word that is used here. It affords us opportunity to look a little closer. Let's talk for just a moment about this one powerful word that Jesus used on the cross. But you need to know it's a common word. It would be a word that would be used by servants when they had completed their task given by a master, by the boss. And when Jesus finished his work on the cross, it was a reminder of the reason he came. Do you remember that Jesus came and he said, I, I've come not to be served, but instead to serve. Jesus taught the disciples often about what it meant to be servants. And they didn't learn the lesson the first time. He had to demonstrate it to them many times. Talk about it many times to where on the night before the crucifixion, there he was in the upper room. And what did Jesus do when they all gathered together before the supper started when nobody else would wash feet? He got up and grabbed a basin and a towel and he washed the disciples' feet, demonstrating to them once again what it looked like to be a servant. And now we find 
that he has, Jesus, the servant, has completed the task. And he shouted, it is finished. He shouted it to the heavenly father. He shouted it to all the earth, that all the world and everyone, and including to us today, that Jesus came to serve so that more might be saved. It's a common word that would be used, common phrase. It'd be a word that would be used by an artist. If an artist were to draw a portrait and maybe it took days and weeks to paint and to complete, special nuances and shades had to be put in for it to be just right. Now, those of us who are not artists, maybe we see somebody that's working on that particular painting, we might say to us ourselves, we might think, well, it looks complete to me. But to the one who is the artist who knows what it's supposed to look like and has particular things in mind until that last stroke, there's more to do. But finally, when the last brush stroke is made and now it is just as he or she has pictured it would look, and the artist would stand back and say, it is finished. Same word that Jesus used. What was accomplished on the cross was just how the Lord had envisioned and had planned, and even, even now while still hanging on the cross, it is the bloody picture of Jesus, is a portrait of what was needed, and the only hope for a sinful world, and now the picture is complete. For you see, Jesus is the picture of hope for a lost and needy world. He's the living hope. Well, it's also a word, a common word. It'd be used by writers. A manuscript or a novelist would write, and they would write sometimes that introduction part of the novel or what was being written and that that would hopefully help to keep the readers reading who had the manuscript in place and then there's the uh, manuscript itself the most the widest part of that manuscript would be written and then they come to some kind of conclusion sometime some kind of closure to finish what was being written and then if it were written today somebody might write and they would finish and what might they write today the end in that day they would write it is finished. Well, Jesus is the living word. He's called the word in every, in the very first chapter of this gospel in John chapter one, he is called the word. He came to communicate his entire novel, the manuscript of God's love written on his life now completed on the cross. We literally have the living word. And while these words are not at the end of the book of Revelation that Jesus spoke, it does signify that Jesus' message of grace and mercy is now complete. And now Jesus will rise again in three days and will be seen for 40 days and will ascend to the right hand of the Father. And now we're able to know the one who is the living word. We know him as intercessor. We know him as friend. We know him as Lord. And the pinnacle of his work on earth is written by the blood shed on the cross of Christ. Now, I want you to get the full significance of this one word that Jesus spoke, this sixth word from the cross. It would be a word that would be used in a banking transaction because you may take out a loan of some kind. Or maybe you've even put something down on lay layaway and you've got to pay that thing off and the time comes and, and you may pay into that until finally you have it paid off. You've got that loan paid off and it's a day of celebration. And what happens is the banker would uh, give you a piece of paper and there'd be something that would be stamped on it. Today we would write paid in full, but you know what they wrote in that day? They wrote, it is finished. Nothing else is owed. You're free and clear. Jesus paid a debt of sin. He did not owe because we owed a debt that we could not pay. One more place of significance. One more word. This is a word used by priest. When the worshipers would come to the temple, they would bring a lamb or a sheep. And the priest then would examine the animal to be sure that it was without spot or blemish. 
And guess what the worshipers, guess what the priest would say to the worshipers that would come once they would look and they would take a look at the lamb or the sheep to make sure that it was without spot or blemish. They would say, it is finished, meaning you've done all that's required. Also meaning it is perfect. Do we need to spend much time arguing the fact that Jesus was the perfect and the final sacrifice? The only one without sin. He never told a lie. He never stole. He never cheated. As a matter of fact, at the trials that they had on that morning, the morning of Good Friday, when they brought Jesus, they took some lowlifes to come in from the streets who'd lie about Him. He was the sacrificial lamb without spot or blemish. In my understanding, every year during the Passover celebration, during what we now call Holy Week, is that they would sacrifice the Passover lamb on Thursday afternoon, sometime earlier in that day. And then at dusk, they would have the Passover meal like Jesus had at the Last Supper. And they would eat that Passover lamb. So when Jesus was hung on the cross and he died at 3 o'clock on Friday afternoon, it was approximately 24 hours later that the Passover, the particular Passover lamb was slain. But on that very Friday, as it would be every day at 3 o'clock, there would be a perpetual sacrifice that would be made in the temple at 3 o'clock. And when that sacrifice was made, the priest would take the lamb or that was to be slain and sacrifice that, that lamb to be slain. And he would say, it is finished or it is complete what he has done. And it may be at that very moment on that Good Friday, while the priest was in the temple sacrificing the lamb... Jesus said, we don't know for sure, but maybe at that very time, Jesus said, it is finished. Some translations say, it is, it is accomplished. How important this six word, common word, but powerful word with it. We see Jesus as much more than a victim at the hands of sinful men, but the one who intentionally gives his life and it's not taken from him. The Lord doesn't go out with a whimper as if it's finally over. No, instead, with a shout of triumph, it is finished. All that needs to be done for your salvation and mine was complete on the cross. What can you do to be saved? You can do nothing, for all of it has already been done. All religions in the world today or in the past can be spelled or understood in these two letters, D and O. Every religion is about whether you do the right thing to earn favor. You have to do this. You have to do that. You have to make this sacrifice. You've got to get your act together. You've got to make these promises. That's religion. We're not selling religion here. We're not selling anything, but we're telling you about a relationship with a risen Lord who was sacrificed for us. Christianity is not a religion because a religion is about what you do. Christianity can be spelled out and understood with four letters. D-O-N-E. The Bible tells us what Christ did on the cross is enough. He did what we could not do. He satisfied God's requirements for a perfect sacrifice to take care of our sins, past, present, and future. For those who believe and accept God's gift of grace will receive the promise of heaven and a life brand new in Jesus. If you have not accepted Jesus's free gift, or you've been caught up in trying to Be religious or earn your own way. I want you to know that you can find favor in God's eyes right here, right now, today. Oh, does it sound too easy? I want to tell you, it's not easy, but it is simple. By faith, you can accept this free gift through prayer. You can say, 
Lord, please forgive me of all of my sins. I believe. I ask for your forgiveness and ask you to take charge of my life and enter into my heart. If for some reason you decide that this is not the day for you that you're going to accept Jesus, then let me encourage you to remember those two words, do and done, to follow the do word, something that you must do will only lead to frustration and to self-destruction. But to understand what Jesus Christ has done is to understand that Jesus has done everything that can lead us to have eternal life and peace and meaning for today. In Luke chapter 4, Jesus comes to his hometown of Nazareth. And before he is ran out of town, they, he finds himself in the synagogue. And that's traditional. They give sometimes guests or someone who claims that they think is a rabbi like Jesus. They give him a scroll to read. And they gave him Isaiah chapter 61. And he enrolls it and reads it, clearly identifying himself as the fulfillment of that prophecy. Isaiah 61.1 says this. It says, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the afflicted. He sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to captives and freedom to prisoners. Jesus has come to set the captives free. We who are in Christ are free from sin, guilt, fear, and death. What a mighty God we serve. I was, uh, uh, had a student in our, our church and... Uh, who was not a believer when I knew him, involved in activities and come to church on Sunday sometimes. And we talked to him many times until finally it clicked and he prayed and he asked Jesus Christ to be his Savior and Lord. And, and uh, he came and he made that public. And not long after that, we baptized him. Great day of celebration, not unlike baptisms that we have here and celebrated, of course, uh, with him and his baptism. And I remember after church that Sunday uh, I was in my office thinking that everybody had left. Nobody I thought was in the building. I was preparing for something. I'm sure another service or funeral or a meeting is one of those Sundays I figured lunch was going to kind of come and go without notice on that day. And my doors opened just a little bit. And then walks that 17 or 18 year old boy. I'll never forget. He was standing there with a sack of his wet clothes. And he said, uh, he said, Brother Jeff, what, what do I do now? Of course, my first thought was, go home and eat lunch and wash your clothes. And, but then I realized what he was asking. He'd prayed to receive Jesus. He'd become a believer. He'd made that public and he'd been baptized. He wanted to know what's next. What do I do now? Have you ever felt that way any time in your life? You wonder, what's next or what do I do now? First, let me tell you that when you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, life in Christ is not the end of anything. It is the beginning this is a lifetime and eternal journey to search out the richness of God's mercy and love. While on this earth we are seeking out meaning and direction for what, and for all that we know would please God, it's not always easy. But to follow Jesus will not be boring and will not leave us without purpose and peace. He wants you to take you to places you've never been. He wants you to see more of Him than you thought was possible. He wants you to be part of the building of His kingdom. We often talked about the blessings that we might receive in this life. Well, the greatest blessing is to get in on what God is doing, to be part of kingdom building, to see where God is working and be able to join them in His good work. It may not take you away. It may not take you to another country. It might mean that you need to stay right here and be God's man and God's woman, God's student, God's boy and girl right where you are and be a part of God's business right here. Doesn't mean it'll always be easy. 
There'll be times that you will feel vulnerable or alone or even lost. You're likely to be misunderstood. You will go through storms, sometimes be targeted for harm, and sometimes you'll experience loss in one way or the other. Ah, but as you stay close to the risen, living hope, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, you will decide it will all be worth it, mainly because you've been a part of the most important stuff on heaven or earth. When Jesus said it is finished, He knew that it was just the beginning for His church. And it's just the beginning for each one, of, one who puts their faith in Him. There is a due for believers, but that comes after what Jesus Christ has already done. Jesus' declaration of the completion of His work on the cross is our greatest incentive to live for Him and honor His name. He did come to set the captives free. Now, who are the captives? Well, that's, that's you and me. Listen to these two verses. One from Galatians chapter 5 and verse 13. It says, You, my brothers, are called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge a sinful nature. Rather, serve one another in love. Second one's 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 16. Live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. When Jesus said it is finished, He was letting you know that you are now people who have been made free from sin and guilt and all the things of this world that would hold us down. And you're free in every sense of the word. Now, how are you going to use your freedom? For selfish indulgent to serve yourself, or are you going to use it to serve God and serve others? We do have privileges and responsibilities of the family of God. And God has put in you because of the living Lord Jesus living in you, if you're a follower of Christ, a desire to honor and please Him. He wants you to grow. He wants you to become more like Christ. This morning, I'm going to ask you to do something. I want you to go green. Now, it has nothing to do with fuel or energy consumption. But I want you to go green in the sense that thinking that everything that God made that is green has something in common. It grows. So we think about the grass and the bushes and trees and all the things that God made that's green that is grows and what God wants us to do. And because of what Jesus has done, He wants us to continue to grow in Christ. How can you know that you have that you will go green, have continual growth in Christ and continue to grow in Christ? Let me give you three simple things. One of those is time with God. How important it is that we spend adequate time in prayer in the reading of God's Word on a personal level and spend time with Him. Your growing in Christ depends on it. It will be almost impossible to grow in a substantial way without spending time in prayer and spending time in His Word. So you want to arrange your day, you want to arrange your week, you want to arrange your time so that you might be able to spend adequate time with God. And then there's time with God's people. Lone Ranger Christians are rarely growing Christians. You were made for a community. Spend time with God's people. We're to grow together, help one another, and edify, build up the church of Jesus Christ. So, time with God, time with God's people. Also, you need to know, if you want to continue to grow in Christ, you need to know it's time. It's time to tell others that you belong to Jesus by your walk and by your talk. You're called to do both. Live like Christ before others and to be a verbal witness. Believers are obedient to Jesus when they go public. If you've become a believer in the Lord Jesus, maybe you've already, sometimes we have those who are, have never gone public with that. Maybe you want to go public today. We give you that opportunity here in just a few moments. 
that you might go public. We believe you want to go public through baptism. And then we, want you, then we believe that Scripture teaches that you need to go continue to go public. Growth in Christ naturally precipitates telling others and it's crucial for our continued growth in Him. Who needs to know that you belong to Jesus? It's, it's Holy Week. Now you understand we celebrate the risen Lord every time we come together every Sunday. We need to celebrate it every time we wake up in the morning. The fact that the Lord has risen and we're able to walk with Him today. But what a good week for you to think about who needs to know that I belong to Jesus. Great time to pray for that person. Great time to invite services this week. Great time to be able to share your testimony. This church would like to help you in your journey to grow and to stay close to Jesus. Nobody wants you to grow more than Jesus does and He's using whatever's taking place in your life right now to make you a better disciple and bring you closer to Him. So next time you're asking, what's next? Why me? What's happening? What do I need to do now? There may be many reasons, but one answer is always true to bring you closer to Him and to help you to grow in your spiritual journey. During these weeks, we've been focusing on the Seven words of Jesus from the cross. Today is the sixth, the seventh. We're going to be talking about on Good Friday. Encourage you to come and participate with the Lord's Supper. And we'll be walking our way through all the things that happened to Jesus on that Good Friday. Then two celebration services also on Resurrection Sunday. Those will be similar services, but you want to come. What a great time to invite others as well. For now... We appreciate the music ministry of Parkway Baptist Church that has prepared our hearts, not only for the service today and what the Lord wants to teach us in our time today, but prepared us for our journey this week and beyond so that we may continue to live a life that helps us to celebrate so that we might be able to continue to fight the good fight as exemplified in Jesus talked about with the Apostle Paul so that we might be able to experience and enjoy the victory that is already assured for us in Jesus. This beginning of Holy Week is setting the pace. And we understand and we know that our focus is clear because He is risen indeed. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we come to you even now. We thank you, Father, for the time already that we've spent here with you in this service in this hour. We know, Father, that you continue to be at work in all of our hearts so that we might even be brought closer to you so that those who are far away might be brought near. Those who do not know you may come to know you today. Whether they're in this room or there's someone watching or listening live stream, Father, we pray that the good news through your word, through the singing, through the praise and worship and prayers, Father, has been clear that we serve a risen Savior who died for us. We thank you, Father, for what you have done. And even now, Father, may we be brought closer to you. May we live as those who are freely able to serve you and to serve others. We pray, Father, if there's one or more here today that do not know you as Lord and Savior, that today might be the day of salvation, that this hour will not be complete until someone who does not know you prays and asks Jesus to be Savior and Lord. Father, we know that you continue to be at work. We thank you for these who have worked and participated in order that we might be able to have this celebration service on this Palm Sunday. Prepare us, Father, for what you want to tell us and how you want to use us. It's in Christ's name we lift these prayers. Amen. Would you please stand? We're going to have the 
Aaron and the choir are going to lead us in another song, and as they do, it is a time of preparation. It's also a time of commitment. You may want to be making commitments right where you are today as you participate in worship. Our pastors will be down here at the front, and we'd love for you to come and talk with one of us. We'll be standing down, worshiping along with you. But if you'd like to talk to us about matters of faith, about church membership, you'd like to come and you have prayer requests that you'd like to bring to us, or you'd like to come and pray at the altar, you certainly can do that uh, during these few remaining moments of the worship service. But you come as the choir leads us today. <laughs> 